The Table Rock Podcast is brought to you in partnership with Speak Studios and Speak Boise. Speak Boise is a community-driven studio space where voices from all walks of life can speak and be heard. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Speak Studios, Speak Boise, and at their website, speakstudios.com. Speak Studios, speak Speak and and be be heard. heard. The Table Rock Podcast is sponsored by Crave Delivery. Your time is valuable, but it's also scarce. So being a partner, parent, teammate, leader, or anything in between can make eating delicious food a struggle. Cooking is time consuming and getting delivery food usually means you're settling for something average. That's where Crave Delivery comes in where you can enjoy excellent food professionally delivered from 17 award-winning restaurants. Better yet, you can mix and match your favorites from any concept in a single order, giving you the flexibility you need when finding the perfect meal for multiple people. Ordering is easy too. Just download the Crave Delivery app in the App Store and create an account to get started. And for your very first order on the Crave Delivery app, use code PODCAST20 and find out more information at cravedelivery.com welcome. Aloha, I'm Alex. I'm Julie. And we're foodies sharing food while chatting about Boise and whatever else is on our plate this week. All right, today we have Hudson Baking Co. visiting us. Hello, guys. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having us. That's Anna. And my name is Aaron. Great. And and we're the Hudsons of Hudson Baking Company. We're so thrilled to have you come today. Pink rainbow just appeared. That's right. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know about you at all until Alex invited you to be on the show, but then I looked you all up, and you're an amazing couple. Thank you. Um, We're just so excited. I feel like what started out as just this journey, it's what it's really become, is like this amazing journey, and people have just been so passionate about what we're doing, and we're so grateful for our following and our customers. Let's talk about that journey because you guys went to the Evergreen College, correct? Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, so, so I left. I left a military career back in 2014. Oh, cool. What branch? I was in the U.S. Army. Oh, awesome! We Thank you for too. your service. Thank yeah. you. Um, so we were stationed in Hawaii. I was at school <gasps> for barracks. Oh my God! Yes. I'm from Hawaii. Yes, we and have so, another connection. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. And so, um, and when we got together, we had like this little place on North Shore, and it was <gasps> probably in the in oh the, lovely in the kind of that was kind of the the beginning for me of a food movement because oh my I was God. kind of a run-in, gun-in soldier. Um, I didn't think about food or quality or organic oh or God, anything yeah. like but that. But you were in a food mecca. Yes. And so... Um, have you guys been to Ted's Bakery by chance? I have been to Ted several oh times. Oh, my God. It's my favorite bakery, Julie. In Hawaii. Yes, in Hawaii. They make <laughs> this Terry Burger for 24 hours to, to die for. So no one can go there here. So no. we... <laughs> <laughs> Not unless they get a plane ticket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, so, and a COVID test. Yes. <laughs> and so um, back in 2014, I got out. I had heard about, I actually heard about the Evergreen State College because um, a little unknown fact, it, it is, mm-hmm. while it is an incredibly liberal college, it is on um, kind of the razor's edge of veteran outreach. Oh, and so they offer that. the most credits for basically any class or course that you took while in the military. They also, mm-hmm. um, they also offer the most kind of on-site um, benefits and resources to um, veterans. They, they don't even necessarily even have to attend the Evergreen State College, but it is um, on the forefront of, you know, kind of like this quiet problem happening in this country where um, you have these veterans that are getting out and they're not clear about 
what their next step is. Actually, that sends chills mm-hmm. down my arms because see what you're saying, which is one of the problems universities have is they're willing to accept alternative types of credit mm-hmm. and make transform it into regular credit. That's that right. life experience is actually a learning mm-hmm. mechanism that I think sometimes universities get a little snooty about. Well, and, and what's fascinating about that, and we, we actually, that was one of our, we actually went to a speaking engagement um, on behalf of veterans because of that where um, my, my background was in data analysis and military intelligence, which um, translated into a lot of useful civilian skills, a ton of things about Microsoft Office, a ton of managerial operational project management, that kind of stuff. Cool. And when I went to college. And the cutting edge of data. Right, and the cutting edge of data science and, and, and working with big data and large, and enormous data sets. Well, there's no bigger data. Well, yes. <laughs> Government <laughs> data, that's the biggest yeah, you that's can right. get. And so um, when I went and I tried to apply for credit, tried to do this thing that you're talking about, um, they gave me a whole 10 credit hours for five years of training. I, I was um, I was a certified instructor with the National Cryptologic School. I had cool. I had years of experience under my belt and they basically gave me half of one term out of all of it. And I felt it was grossly unfair. Yeah. Um, we have a passion for justice, I think, um, both food, food and non-food related. And so- Amen. And so um, it's been, uh, it's been, it's been wonderful to kind of take that passion and apply it to, to our business now. So you both went to Evergreen together. Yes. Um, one of the things that got me really excited about Evergreen is they have their very own organic garden. <gasps> Yum. And it supplies the kitchen for the students. Wow. So um, we were so lucky because on campus, um, campus dining was supplied by local seasonal organic farms. And then you also had um, various restaurants that also did the same thing. So were you together when you went to Evergreen? Yes. Yeah, that's I, I understood that, mm. from, but I wanted to yes. make sure I was right about that. Absolutely. So um, we both went to Evergreen together. I feel like he went because that transition from the military to to civilian is huge. And Evergreen so had this huge. amazing support system that made that possible. And for me, I was passionate about food. So as soon as I moved to Hawaii, I got into the food movement and the food culture. And Can I was we like, talk this- about that a little bit. Yes. Hawaii's, Hawaii's food culture and movement is a real thing. Yes. And it's very unique. Yeah. Huge so portions. it's, yes, it's unlike anything I've ever seen anywhere. Um, my family's from Europe. Oh, and I didn't know that. yes, I was born in Germany. And I'm Romanian. And God, so yes. um, I feel like being in Hawaii was the most unique fo- food culture because you have so many people from all over the world that live in Hawaii. Yes, it's very diverse. We've yes. visited a number of times. So, And so the food is incredible. And there's so many organic farmers who are so passionate about the way that food is being grown. So one of the first things we did is we did a CSA. So, which stands for Community Supported Agriculture. So we signed up and every single week we went down to the farm and got our farm box. And so we lived out of CSAs for the entirety. And what's unique about Hawaii is that they are able to grow year round. So not a lot of places can you grow organic food all year round. Mm. And so I feel like, especially for families and people wanting to know where their food comes from, that's what started us off is so, those experiences. Because you were getting your box of food that had just been grown and you could see, 
you had to transition through the seasons with the food, right? The- right. So what do you do with mung beans? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> what What is a mung bean <laughs> now that you've a told vegetable, us? vegetable, correct? Yes. So it's, yeah, it's, um, frankly, I never figured out what to do with them. <laughs> um, so, so they showed up you in this. You compost them. That's right. Um, they, they work great. Um, you can feed the mongoose with them. Um, so so you're not supposed to feed i know i they're so cute (laughs) have you seen them they're like anyway um so so yeah so so you're both food policy majors at evergreen you get there in your so i actually took a year of of complete social justice so when i left when i went into the military um gay marriage was illegal both in and out of the military um marijuana was completely illegal federally statewide i mean i think there's maybe two or three states doing medicinal um, which was like cutting edge. Yes, at the which time. was super controversial and cutting yeah. edge. And then when I got in, even to the point where um, even in the city of Seattle, um, before they had legalized um, medicinal marijuana, there was a like it was illegal to smoke in this within the city limits. So they so it, it was funny because being um, kind of from the Pacific Northwest and being from this area, yeah. it was so radical to me. And then I come out, and then all of a sudden. Um, you know, I, I was I was in when um, Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed, when the Defense of Marriage Act was repealed, when mm-hmm. um, the LGBT community started to become more prevalent in the military. Yeah. And so uh, to have, um, to start out as like everybody, like we, no one talks about it, no one is anything about it, to um, that transition kind of sparked this interest to mind of like seeing kind of, you know, what, what happened in the world in five years. Um, the whole, it's like the whole world changed. And That's so, a really fascinating question because we did transition in the gay movement very rapidly. Mm-hmm. We have been much slower on other areas, as you know. But, yes. Um, and, and so um, we started out, I started out doing food policy. So that was like my, kind of my first kind of area of, of study at Evergreen, um, which, was, which was fantastic because the new edition of the Farm Bill had come out. Um, oh, for those of you that don't know, the Farm that, yeah. Bill is a... Um, it's an enormous piece of legislation that's passed every every I want to say it's every five years. It is every five years. Every five years. Um, and basically, what we were taught, what what we were focusing on was the abysmal lack of funding resources or terminology or vocabulary concerning organic. And Interesting. so, and so, what was fascinating about organic was um, the amount of subsidies in comparison to traditional agriculture are are next to nothing. The amount of um, the amount of funding for large monocrops is through the roof. The subsidies for those things are through the roof. And and yet there always seems to be this um, barrier for creating food that just is just cleaner and has less chemical and less pesticide and less herbicide. So our uh, listeners might want to know what a monocrop is. So a monocrop is our kind of the, the large um, corn, soy, cotton, wheat, the big crops. Kind of the big crops that you see. I mean, as you kind of, if you're driving anywhere outside of outside of all the fields that you're seeing everywhere, sugar beets, um, they are, a lot of them are, as a lot of them are, are grown in a way that um, denies sustainability. Depletes so, the soil. And it depletes a lot of soil quality. Mm-hmm. So it takes a lot of fertilizer to get them growing. It takes a lot of water to get them growing. It takes a, it, it, it takes a lot of resources to create produce. any sort of meaningful product and produce these these large scale crops, and mm. so. and um, one of the things I just want to mention is the other issue with it is once all the minerals are out of the soil, 
there's not a lot once those once our soils are depleted there's not a lot we can do to you know a lot of them just turn into like developments and housing which housing is great of course but at the same time it's like being able to have access to farmland is a really big issue because when you're raising things that are grown in a less than sustainable way you aren't going to continue to maintain those farmlands right so you have the double whammy of we need space for housing but we've also depleted the land so we might as well sell it for housing is what you're saying right it's a it's a it's a it's a wonderful problem to have um because (laughs) well and 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 it's so funny because here in the treasure valley there's been so much explosive growth i mean i think meridian and boise have been the number one of the number two fastest growing cities in the country for at Mm -hmm. least the past three years and um the everyone you know i i love you know, and this might even be controversial. I love that people are coming here because as more people come, they come with their ideas and their experiences. They come with their, and they come with their dollars and they come with their desires. And typically people that are coming from other areas are wanting a higher, they're wanting a different quality of, of the food that they're buying at the grocery store. They want different types of relationships with the people and the restaurants that they, that they're frequenting. Um, and, and they, and I think that a lot of people that move here, like they want to be local. They want Idaho. They want the Idaho stuff. Like they want to the Idaho lifestyle. They want the Idaho lifestyle. And what's unique about that is that we have a unique opportunity um, through through our business to promote what we consider to be a more sustainable, better version of like that Idaho lifestyle through our like through our product, through our, our breads and pastry. I, I want to ask one quick question. We've jumped from evergreen to, you know, <laughs> just so the our listeners know, you're in CUNA. Yes. And how you just, the two of you, you get, you graduate from college and you've taken your social justice classes and you're, and you're food experts. I mean, you, you do have degrees in food policy. And you, then you say to each other, let's just go to CUNA. So um, then we realized that we have to pay for our life. (laughs) (laughs) That that happens to everyone Uh, when they graduate. Right. You're passionate and you have all these dreams and ambitions and you want to change the world. And then the bills and the student loans start coming in and you're like, "Uh oh, I got to do something about this. So Aaron took a tech job. Oh. And so um, he was working in the tech field and. I would say, um, and I was working in low income housing, which is something I'm really passionate oh, wow. about. Yeah. And so I was laid off during COVID mm-hmm. and I was like, what am I going to do? And so um, someone actually had come over for dinner and they had had Aaron's bread and they were like, this is amazing. I would pay for this. And I was like, really? How much? and so we started delivering and that's that's how we ended up in cuna um we wanted that small town feeling um aaron is right you know raised in boise Mm -hmm. and boise has gotten to be a really big town and so i think we wanted a little bit something a little bit more rural in washington we lived on 20 acres so we weren't quite ready to go back to living in a big city but CUNA was kind of like the perfect fit. It's like just outside and just close enough to everything we want to be close to, but still having that small town feel. Something that I'm excited about is CUNA has been a growing culture. And so to see you guys there just gives me more of hope in my little CUNA community that we are a growing culture. You know, we have Three Woods Pizza. I don't know if you guys have been there. That's been a big deal on that mm-hmm. side of town. Um, but yeah, we're so excited to have you guys. What kind of, you know, talking about that food policy, I'm so curious 
you know, what values you bring into your business. And can you talk a little bit more about that? So, so in, in overarching theme that I found in, in studying policy was it, it did very little to make room for consumers, um, especially those that may have some sort of financial um, difficulty or hardship. I, I, I remember we, att I attended this panel with, um, it was the head of the Thurston County Food Bank. Thurston County is the county that encompasses the capital city of Olympia and the state oh, of Washington. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, we had two members of, of the city council um, and, and a few other people, a veritable who's who of, of who is running the food system in, in this county. And, the, and so, and this is in Washington state, which is a well-funded government state. It's a very liberal state. It has a ton of funding. Um, taxes are, are, are higher than they are here. And they said, you know, for all of our resources and all of our farms, which in Olympia, Washington, there's a, they have a city ordinance that in every residence, there must be an organic garden within one mile walking distance. Oh. So wow. this is, I mean, so That's we are talking huge. somebody, we are talking a, a, a community that really cares about food and really cares about it being available to people. Oh and God, they, my heart. <laughs> and they said that one in five kids goes to bed hungry. Oh, I think night. that's the same statistic in here. Idaho. So, mm -hmm. well, so 20% of children go hungry every night in, in Thurston County. And I, and I was, I was floored because I was like, okay, for all of your money and all of your resources and all of your practices and all of your everything, one in five doesn't get dinner basically. And that was, that was probably the cornerstone of what we wanted to bring to the table with our company, because mm. I am in the business. I'm, I, it's, it's funny. Anna says like, oh, this is Aaron. He's the baker. I get that all that. This is Aaron. He's the baker. He bakes it fresh. He, this is the baker. Um, I'm, I think I'm a food activist that bakes, um, not necessarily a baker because I'm in the business of feeding people. I want people to be able to eat the best quality food for the lowest cost possible. And that has, that's basically been the lens that we have looked through this business with. And so, you know, and, and we yeah. have a lot of fun with the pink and we have a lot of fun with our marketing and our branding. And we have, a, we have a great time. I, I love this. I really do. And so um, helping people and loving and having fun helping people is, is really the best of both worlds. But at the end of the day, we are in this to feed people and feed our community. So you, uh, you're, you're out of work and somebody says, we'll buy a loaf of bread from you. I mean, this is recently, right? And, yeah. and, and your, your husband has a job, but he's a great baker. And the two of you sit down together at dinner and go, let's just give up what we're doing and start a new company. Um, I wanted to actually get onto this about accessibility. Um, one of the things that we noticed whenever, so we love feeding people. Mm -hmm. So if you come to our house, we will feed you way too much. Like Thanksgiving every day. Like we just, Sign Aaron, <laughs> Aaron, I know we're going to have to have a dinner party, but, um, we love feeding people. And one of the things we noticed is like accessibility. And that goes back to like hungry mouths and hungry families, but also having access to clean and healthy food. And so in talking about it, we were like, what is one of the ways that we can use his talents and his skills and get that food to everybody? And that's why we started as a bread delivery service. 
And I think people are still shocked when they find out that we offer free delivery. Um, well, I was shocked. <laughs> I have that in our notes. I go, the delivery is free. How do they do that? Yes. It is, Julie. That's right. Yes, yeah. it is free delivery um, because we're passionate about accessibility. And so how many times, you know, I know like I'll go online and I'm going to order a pizza. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have it delivered. That's awesome. And by the time I'm done and I've made it through like the six different screens of charges, my pizza is like three times the cost it was when I started, right? Or whatever the item might be. And so we were like, well, that's not accessible. So we need to be able to match this. We need to be able to feed families. Um, if you haven't seen one of our bread loaves, they're huge. Ginormous. And they took me a while to go through. Yes. We tell a lot of people, like, if it's just one or two of you, you cut it in half, you put it in the freezer, it'll hold for over six months. And then we give you instructions on how to like pull it out and handle it. But the biggest thing was accessibility. So with accessibility, what is a model that you can build? Well, then with COVID happening, um, we saw just the hurt that it caused on a social level, right? So many people being in isolation. And so that's actually why our branding is pink, because the actual meaning and definition of pink brings joy to people. And so we thought, what is a way that we can connect the dots, give people access to clean and healthy food, and also bring them joy? Well, when I looked at your webpage, it is, it is a happy place. The webpages, I mean, the food is beautiful, all the breads and the bagels and the kolaches, they're mm -hmm. all gorgeous. Thank you. But the pink background is also attractive. So when you deliver, do you deliver in cars? Is that? Yes. So, um, so we, we have, we have like our delivery, our delivery drivers in our cars and we show up and up until recently we did no contact delivery. We utilize a software that has a startup out of San Francisco that, um, it, it sends you text. It's amazing. Yes, we, it's it a sends you, process. It sends you texts. It sends you pictures when it's delivered. It, it it's basically, um, it's basically a lot of, very similar to what like one of the, like the larger delivery services like Amazon are doing, um, but with like we're like a lower like we're like a smaller startup, mm -hmm. and so um, yeah, up until really up until it got hot, we were doing no contact delivery, and then we honestly started knocking on doors because we couldn't we couldn't really stand the thought of like having these like baked goods on your doorstep in like these triple digit days. And so we started like knocking on people's doors, like, Hey, we're here. Like you're going to want to like bring this inside. And so, um, well, probably pe there's still a lot of people home too. Aren't yes. There? Yeah. So, and on a hot days, they're really home. Mm -hmm. I mean, fortunate those of us that have air conditioning are blessed because it's, it's been really hot. So, you know, I think of our local community, and I know we are all kind of stakeholders in building up this food community. What can the average consumer in Boise do to be more part of the food community? I think we highlighted it earlier with the CSAs and going to the local farmers markets. But do you guys have any other insight on? Our yes, food um, I feel like one of the best things is to um, start switching out your ingredients. So wow. if you're gonna meal plan and you know, okay, well, what's something simple, a salad. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm not going to buy my tomatoes and lettuce that's been shipped thousands of miles and brought in. I'm just going to go down to the farmer's market and grab that. 
Um, it's been amazing with social media because you can just go on Instagram and be like, okay, which vendors are going to be there? Well, you know, Capital City Public Market on Saturdays has some great vegetable vendors. There's um, the Caldwell Farmers Market on Tuesday nights. Great vegetable vendors. Okay, well, you know what? That's the one thing I'm going to do. I always tell people, start small. Like, we always want to do that big change that changes the world, but I think change really happens in our homes. So by being able to just start by swapping ingredients, I feel like that has such a major impact because you're going to notice the quality. Honestly, once you've had something fresh out of the ground, nothing compares to it. And so I tell people start small. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be expensive. Um, It doesn't have to be, you know, support a, if you're going to buy meat, think, okay, well, we all kind of got used to it during COVID starting to buy our groceries like once a month, right? Because we weren't allowed to really like travel out. Well, what does a month of meat look like to me? Well, how much do I spend on that? Okay, what if I gave that to a farmer? Yeah. What would that do to support that farmer? What would that do to support their family? And so I find that like starting in your own home and just starting with swapping out certain ingredients is a really great way because you're going to get inspired and you're going to build a relationship with those vendors. And then all of a sudden you turn around and, you know, like we buy all of our, almost all of our groceries from the markets because so many of the vendors are our friends. And so I'm like, well, I don't need to go to the store. I work a market Tuesday night. I'm just going to get what I need then. I was going to say something huge for me that I've been practicing is trying to know the name of who's produced my food, whether that's a farmer or a baker, just understanding the hands that it's taken to make my food has changed the way I eat. And understanding the amount of work that goes into it. We are so disconnected from where our food comes from that we just have no idea like just how much work um csas are amazing because you're support you're supporting a farmer through their entire season and um helping them like get through all the various crops that they're growing and everything but the farmer's market is such a great opportunity to really start to develop those relationships with those people, getting to know them on a first name basis and really understanding some of the struggles or challenges. You know, um, sometimes like at the end of the market, I'll notice there's a certain ingredient that there's a bunch left over. And I'm already starting to think, like, what can I do with that? I'll, you know, and I'll take that home and I'm like, OK, we're going to use this. And um by bringing our family along, by bringing our kids along, and by teaching them about food, it's like it's such an opportunity to educate future generations about food because then they're going to go out into the community and they're going to talk about food. And really just getting that conversation going, I think, is like the most pivotal. Yeah. For sure. 100%. Well, and, and doable. I mean, yeah. as you say, start where you can do something because right. sometimes we start too big and then we get discouraged because you can't make the change you want. Exactly. And so um, a simple thing, like I said, is meat and produce. I feel like um, everybody goes through needing certain ingredients and certain things. And so by starting to learn, um, picking up an in-season cookbook or even just going online and learning what grows in the Treasure Valley at what time and learning what to expect, um, I feel like we're really spoiled, you know, where we can just go to the grocery store and if I want strawberries in December, I can get them. But do they grow best in December and where are they coming from? These are like the questions we start to ask. And what I've noticed in our own home is like, our kids start to get excited for berry season because they get berry season when berries grow. And so that's been, you know, and it's hard. We are actually in berry season right now. Oh, berrylicious. Yes, that's why I bring them up because I honestly go to the market with a huge box. But 
My daughter was out hiking. She's up at Montana State, and she was able to pick wild raspberries this week. So, <gasps> oh so gosh, this is the, right now, and, and blueberries are out. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, I think huckleberries will start pretty soon, too. So, mm-hmm. And huckle- huckleberries are hard to get unless you pick them yourself. So. And um, actually, the makers, so we source all of our freezer jam from another small local business Jamie. for our kolaches. We use um, local Boise Berry Co. Oh, and so oh, I just talked to her this morning and she was like, actually, I'm going to offer another peach jam because peaches are in season. Right. I had so, peaches last night, fresh peaches. They were so wonderful. So we're going to have like fresh peach freezer jam and Yum. that's, it makes such a difference. It does actually make a huge difference. The we were just talking about it, my husband and I, how the fresh peaches mm-hmm. taste like dessert. They are so F- fabulous. Funny. As opposed to when you eat them, you know, Off sometimes season. they're kind of grainy mm-hmm. or you don't know what to do. They just don't have that same flavor if it's not fresh. Funny funny story about peaches. So we came stateside in July of 2014. Anna uh-huh. is, is seven and a half months pregnant with our second daughter. Oh. And... All she wanted, because unfortunately, like stone fruit just didn't do well uh, in Hawaii. And so, and so um, we showed up and we go to the Olympia Farmer's Market and, and this, this like cute pregnant lady buys this 25 pound box of organic peaches fresh (laughs) in season. And she just started, and and I'm sitting there, we have our, we have our three-year-old and my three-year-old and I are like looking to get down on some peaches too. And we, there was none. Not she just smashed this box of peaches. Anna just ate them all, huh? Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. But honestly, is there anything better than, like, fresh grown? Right well, the or fresh made. I was just thinking, my husband right. has a story. He talks about he's out of Wyoming where he would go down the street to buy fresh bread from the baker when he was little. And his mom, it was safe because it was a small town, and his mom sent him. And the bread, he was holding the bread, and it was big for him in front of him. And it smelled so good he couldn't stand it. So as he was walking along, he just ate right through the top of the bread. <laughs> and that's the way I feel when I look at your pictures of your bread is that it looks like it's fabulous like that. Like you can't leave it alone the minute it arrives. You have to get you into can. it. The Kolochskis for sure. Too. Yes. One of the things um, we really want to do is we want to be your local neighborhood bakery. And so with our company, education has been a huge part of that. Um, you know, when we first started, customers would want to buy like, I kid you not, anywhere from six to 15 loaves in one time. And they're like, I'm just going to buy them. I'm going to put them in my freezer. You know, the idea of like going to a bakery every single week to get your fresh bread just didn't exist. And so now with opening up our location, it's just so exciting because we have spent the last seven or eight months telling people this is going to be like your weekly bakery, you know, where you can just drop in and get a fresh loaf, freshly baked, like probably within an hour or two of you being there. So you've moved from a home baking. You were you started in your home, is that? No, right? we started in a commercial space. So oh, we work out did? of a commissary. You oh, did cool. start in a yes. commercial space. So yes. thank you for correcting me. Um, so Aaron is actually a trained chef, oh. and he was actually a chef prior to baking. And you can talk a little bit more about that. Oh, I don't know that I want to. Um, <laughs> no. Um, well, so so just we 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 entered the commissary thing because. Um, number one, I think it's, I think having the proper equipment makes life easier. It doesn't matter kind of what you're doing. It, yeah. Well, I um, think that's true of anything. Right, that's, that's just true of anything. <laughs> right. 
Um, and then the other thing was um, the requirement, it was a requirement in order for us to participate, to begin participation in the markets. So we learned pretty quickly, like we had a good social media following and we had good um, ordering. Um, but one of the things that people kind of want to see is they kind of want to put a face in the name. And so back in December is when we started participating in the 34th Street Capital City Public Market. Mm. And so um, it, it became instrumental to use a commercial space in order to, um, yeah, in order to meet that need. Well, right. congratulations, guys, on your brick and mortar, and we look forward to visiting you guys. Thank you guys very much. Well, and we didn't really get to my kolache, so we'll have yeah. to have you come back and, and talk about them more. So We'll have to bring you some. Well, and Stay tuned. Uh, that's because my husband is uh, bohemian, and he they're in his background, so I, I will look forward to tasting them. That sounds great. Thank you guys so much for having us. Cheers. Y'all, thanks for joining our podcast. We loved having you. Please subscribe and think about leaving a review. Your comments are always appreciated. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Boy Food on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. See you next week. Cheers. Cheers.